Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 630 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Place. Uh, Oilers have wrapped up a practice today. They made a couple moves. Placed Tomas Yurcho on waivers. Sent Colby Cave back to the minors. Pretty clear Riley Sheen and Josh Archibald are going to play tomorrow against New Jersey, who are in Calgary tonight. Sheen and Archibald with Jujar Kara on a line. Haas was with Granlin and Russell. So it's giving you a bit of a look at the Oilers' third and fourth lines. This is the second hour of Oilers Now. It's brought to you by Digitex. Don't spend your valuable time meeting with door-to-door sales reps. Your all-in-one convenient location is digitex.ca, Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We are uh, going to bring aboard Brian Burke, presented by Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar, as we head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. Hello, Brian. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you? Good. Uh, did all the uh, politically sensitive types get upset by your comments on uh, the Milan-Lucic uh, two-game suspension out there? Uh, I don't pay any attention to any of that stuff. I, I have a Twitter account, but my daughter handles it for me, and I don't follow anybody. So <laughs> they're my tweets, but she she does it, so I don't have access to it late at night. And um, and it's uh, no, I, I have no idea what people's reaction were was or what their thoughts were. Nor do I care. You now you are you're you're on a radio show at Edmonton in northern Alberta. And, you know, there's a lot of listeners to this show that might be a little bit of old school uh, when it comes to how things should be dealt with on the ice. You know, they watch the Oilers of the 80s not just have one of the best teams in the league, but have one of the toughest teams. They lamented the Oilers when they were perceived as being a physically soft team in stretches. Uh, So I think you know what side of the ledger the majority of our listeners are going to come down on when, uh, you know, you have a, uh, a rookie sitting there jabbing a stick in on a goalie and Milan Lucic goes and cleans it up after. And, hey, yeah, Lucic turned the puck over to the kid. Uh, but a lot of our listeners wouldn't, in a similar situation, if that was a visiting player jabbing a stick at Mike Smith or 
Miko Koskinen they'd have no problem if Zach Cassian went in and popped the guy one uh, so you know what I'm saying and, I, and I'm going to hazard a guess that's probably where you come down on the issue as well well, I don't mind that they suspended Luch for that. Like, I, I really don't. Like, he, he did throw a, a good right hand and deck the kid. And, you know, like, that's it's got to be a, a appropriate response. But I think the key, what you said, is it wasn't just a little tap. This guy dug in like he was playing shuffleboard, you know, like really pushed the thing in there. And um, and he thrown a couple hits early in the game. He's a young kid. He doesn't know any better. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Well, guess what? got to pay your tab so my view is i don't whine about supplementary discipline if it's plus one or minus one okay so if it's so if i think it should be three and it's four i don't say anything if i think it should be four and they give him three i don't say anything um that being said i thought he was gonna get one game i thought it was a little harsh and uh, uh i i want my players to solve that problem for us and we'll worry about the league later so uh i uh i like i enjoyed it I, I, as soon as he jabbed the stick i'm like He's, he's forgetting who's on the ice, and boom. Now he's on the seat of his pants looking at the Raptors, which is where exactly where he should have been. Uh, we had a similar incident last year in Tampa Bay. Matthew Joseph uh, ran both McDavid and Nugent Hopkins in about the first, uh, I don't know, three shifts of the game. And the one on McDavid was a bit of a knee job, okay? I wasn't very pleased, as you can imagine. And Luch hunted him down, sort of when the game got out of hand. And, of course, the kid turtled. Um, but you got to kind of reap what you sow, don't you, on the ice? Or is that is that from the Halcyon days of yore, Brian? No, no I, 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 there's still some of that. I hope it never goes away altogether. And when you talk like this, people say you're a dinosaur. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't want to go back to when I played. Three-hour games and six fights a game and bench clearing. I don't want that. But I don't want to lose accountability, and I don't want to lose fighting altogether. So to me, this kid had it coming. Um, if he keeps playing like that, he's going to get it again. It won't just be Luke. It'll be someone else get a hold of him. And then, and then people say, well, you shouldn't have to fight to play in the NHL. I agree. Then don't play, don't play a certain way. You don't, you'll never have to fight. Like Matthew Kachuk, okay? I, I'd love to have him in Edmonton. Don't ever get me wrong here. Doesn't mean you're not going to be upset a bit if he comes in on McDavid or, you know, specific to McDavid because Drysettle tends to give as good as he gets. But, you know, if you come in on McDavid when McDavid's involved in a, already with Michael Backlund and you give him a bit of a face wash, you got to know there's going to be a response there, don't you? Yeah, well, there should be. Right. There should be. The difference with Chucky is he's like, okay, there's going to be a response and I'll worry about that then. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't care. Well, he. I mean, he has been, just the other night, he he turned that game around against Arizona, and he's, you know, he's, he's. I know he's not the greatest skater, but he's a hell of a player, man. He's a hell of a player, and he's, he's an engine that can drive a whole team. And, and his ability to make plays at critical times is scary. Like, you're, you feel like you're watching a 26-year-old, and you're watching a 21-year-old. Did teams underestimate how good he was, Brian, at the draft that year? Yeah, I think what scared a lot of teams off was his skating because his hockey IQ and his hands were evident to everybody. The engine was evident to everybody. But his skating was average at best. Like, to call him an average skater would be praising him. And so that scared a lot of teams off. But uh, I said this earlier on the radio in a different city. I said, um, I remember talking to Matthew Kachuk. So I like to talk to my players. I like to spend time with them. Sure. 
And so I, I remember he's a rookie. I'm talking to Troy Brower, I think it was. He's been in the league 10 years. And then talk to Chucky. I'm getting the same level of response. So you say, well, would you watch the game? I said, what do you think? Is that a suspension or no suspension? And Chucky's uh, just as mature as a 26 to 30-year-old. Like, I was like, good Lord, he's 18. He's 18. So very mature, very focused, high hockey IQ, makes the right play. Uh, and then he is a full-time, 24-7 pain in the ass. No coffee breaks, 24-7. All the time on the ice, he's a pain in the ass. All right, Brian, the Oilers have dropped four of their last six games. They still, however, are 10-5-2 through 17 games. So the question I have for you is, should the fans be concerned? Or are they in a good spot? Well, that's what you and I talked about this about three weeks ago. That's what the early the great start does for you. It gives you a cushion for a lull. So I think the question is, okay, which is the real Oilers, Oilers team? The one that started off so hot or the one we've seen the last couple of weeks? And the answer is, I think it's somewhere in between. I think the prior loss, I thought, cost them a lot of couple of soft goals. Yeah. And that was the difference in the game. And up till then, you guys, the Oilers had had superb goaltending from yep. both guys. Yep. So that was the first game where you say, well, maybe goaltending let us down. Uh, Mike Smith, I thought, responded like last night. They, I thought Edmonton played a good game, but they're playing the best team in the league, in my view, hmm. right now, them and the Islanders. Um, so would I, would I be concerned? The lack of secondary scoring scares me. We've talked about it. If you're relying on two or three guys, if you put uh, James Neal in, if you're relying on those big three for all your offense, then you run the risk of them going cold. You run the risk of defensive schemes and checking lines, and you run the risk of injury. So they've got to find some guys who can score in the below the the top four. It's very unusual for teams. Not to, when we talk about secondary scoring, we're talking about bottom six. Yep. Not with the Oilers. We're talking about bottom. Eight. Yep. They're not even getting second-line scoring. And I think the, the people are starting to single out Brian Nugent Hopkins yep. with some with some fairness. I mean, I don't think he's played as – I like him. I thought he quietly had a great year last year, but I don't. I think he's off to a slow start here. Doesn't have a goal in his last 10 games. It improved in the face-off circles at 53%. But then he ran up against Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak and – those guys are 56% plus. Let me ask you that. Just on just on face-offs, because I've had people suggest that I talk about it too much uh, on our broadcast. I'm just like, well, when it comes to power play and PKs, man, it's critical. Um, can you overvalue face-off percentage no. players? No. No? But it's, it's more importantly when and where they win them. I don't care if the guy says he won 53%. And I find out that on the... D zone faceoffs on the PK, he was at twenty eight percent. Well, I don't care if he's ninety percent through the game. That's the most important draw of the game. Is a PK defense zone draw. That's the most important draw on on the ice surface. And people argue, well no, the offensive zone power play draw is just as important. No, it's not. The number one draw that you have to win is in your own zone when you're killing a penalty. Number two is when you're in the attacking zone and you're on the power play. Teams that win those face-offs have good power play percentages. You start with the puck. If the other team wins it and ices it, you lose, invariably lose 20 to 25 seconds 
going back and retrieving it and getting an entry. So uh, no, it's it's it is you cannot over overstate the value of faceoffs, but I do think it requires some classification. We're joined by Brian Burke for Canadian Power Pack. Brian now, of course, with NHL Hockey and Rogers and Sportsnet, longtime NHL executive. Brian, you were in a critical role with the league, and we've talked a bit about officiating. And it's hey, it's not the reason why the Oilers lost the games, but at times. It, you know, because McDavid's got the puck so much, uh, there seems to be a reluctance to maybe make some calls that seem somewhat obvious. How much instruction comes from the league geared to the officials in terms of how they handle games? Well, one thing that I think is admirable as an outsider watching Edmonton for the last few years and competing against them was that Connor never complained about the officiating. Never, never shrugged or never threw up his arms, never said anything after a game. And I think it helped him get some calls. So the other strategy is to say, hey, here's a tape with 10 non-calls. What are you going to do about it? And uh, so this is the tightrope you walk as a manager. You want to send a tape in with 10 non-calls. But the fact that Connor's never complained about him, it gets him some calls. People admire that. Last night, uh, when he cut in on Dunn, Yep. That could have been a penalty. I'm sure Edmonton fans were screaming in their living rooms, holding, holding. I'm saying it's borderline, but I watched it again this morning. I'm like, yeah, I think it's a penalty. And I think there was a hook by Gunnarsson on uh, dry side late in the game. Yep. Right in his hands, it wasn't called. So, yeah, I, th- I think I hate when fans lose and then say, well, it's poor officiating. But last night, I have to agree. Now, Edmonton had no right to go on the power play on that first call. I said this on national TV. And that was a terrible goal that Connor scored in the first goal. Terrible goal. Jake Allen's got to stop that puck. Yeah, right through. So they shouldn't have been up one nothing. It was a cheesy call. Later they get away or they lose two calls, so they netted out. You know, and there's other calls in the game, obviously. But netted out, they they were cheated out of one call, perhaps. But I thought the the first interference call was terrible. How much back to the the, the officials? How much? Because it seems to me like. We've got a, a, a younger group of officials, first of all, that talks less with the players. That's number one. And number two, they don't want, like, I obviously am a big Wes McCauley fan. And part of it is Wes takes control of games, okay? But we've got, I think we got some officials out there right now, Brian. Well, I don't want to impact the game, which means I call, like, Mark Jonette. I mean, you got to commit Harry Carey on the ice some nights for him to make a call. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you're in a two-referee system, so you've doubled the number of referees. So you've doubled the number of people who have judgment and reflection on how a game is played. Yep. So there's a danger right there. Number two, and I think this is this is abating. I actually think we're ahead of this now. When we went to two referees, we didn't have enough referees, so we rushed a bunch of guys. Guys that should have gone Western Hockey League, then American League, or then East Coast League, then American League, and then half a season in the NHL, we rushed a bunch of those guys right into the show. And it showed. It was obvious right from the start they weren't ready for it. Referees are no different than players. They need time to develop. But I think we're past that now. I actually think, and I, it seems I'm critical of the officials because I'm big on this first call thing. You guys have all seen it on TV. I'm huge on that. Um, the first call, we used to tell the officials, because I was their boss for five years. Right. Okay, so I'm Senior Vice President of Hockey Operations. Brian Lewis ran the referees day-to-day. 
And Brian was a great man. He, well, he's still alive. I don't want to talk her past. He was a great executive, great referee on the ice, great administrator, great feel for when there was going to be a problem and make sure we had the right referee working that game. So to me, I, I'd go to training camp with him and we'd say, okay, the key here is to watch for penalties, not to look for penalties. In other words, if you're not sure to whether to blow that whistle or not, then don't blow it. Like, when in doubt, do not call a penalty. And most of the referees still have that. In the playoffs, they all seem to get it because they're more senior. They all, they're, they're calling the right standard. We need to get that standard into October and November, which is if it's a legit penalty, call it. If it's taking tack, don't. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's an interesting situation. Hey, I got to ask you this because you were coached by Bob McCammon, right? Absolutely. Uh, he's a pretty funny man, isn't he? Oh, one of the funniest people I ever met in my life. You were with the Maine Mariners. Were you and uh, Dave Hoyta, who I think passed away a couple of years ago? Uh, he did, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He's an Edmonton guy, and I get some texts from our family members uh, that listen to the show. Uh, were you part? There was an. Imp- I, it may have preceded your arrival. You might have still been at Providence at the time, but I'm told. There was a, a, a story about the Canadians being tired of pushing around in Philly after Philly won their back-to-back cups. So I'm thinking this might have been the fall of 75, so I think you were still in college. But the, the Canadians dressed like they're 12 toughest guys, and they had a home-and-home home with Philly to round out the preseason. And the second game was in Philly on like a Sunday night, and the Canadians had all of their tough guys from Nova Scotia, their toughest guys, and they just went in there. And it was just an absolute, and I hate using this term, but it was a war. And the Canadians got it out of their system, and they got a bit of a medal of it. Did you ever hear stories about that game? No. Yeah. I, w- I wish I was there. <laughs> I got to get Larry Robinson on one time about it because I think Mo Robinson was up. Like they had all, you know, they had all gold up at all those guys. You know, well, I played against I played against Mo, but. Uh... In the American League, but uh, yeah, I wish I'd, I hope somebody filmed it. Yeah, no, because uh, obviously Dave Hoyta was a tough guy. You had, you would have was uh, John Paddock and Frank Bath on your team when you were there. Yes, uh, yeah, we was... had a tough we had a tough team. Dave Hoyta was our our heavyweight till around Christmas time. Then the Flyers called him up, and they brought in Jimmy Cunningham, uh, who also has tragically passed away. Um, we had Frank Bays who could fight, Norm Barnes who could fight, Al Hill who could fight. Uh, it was, we were a really tough team. It was fun. And you just said, uh, was Terry Murray with you guys too on the back end? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. There we go. I, I was just first, like, first team all star. Terry Murray was first team all star. Blake Dunlop was MVP of the league. He was our first line center. Drew Callender, who I saw at the outdoor game, he scored 40 goals for us. We had a great team. Uh, some funny stories along the way there, Brian, that are PG-13? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll think of some I can say on the air. Most, of, A lot of them are not suitable for a family show. But uh, How close? As, as, as they say in radio, you can say whatever you want once. <laughs> yes. Uh, what, how, just I'll leave you with this. How close to Slap? I mean, we're talking 77, 78. I believe that was the year Slapshot came out. How close was it to that in the minors? Very close. Yeah? I mean, there's a lot. The, the bus trips and the uh, the crappy dressing rooms and little rinks and uh, and the fighting. And um, there was it, was, it was, 
It was not far removed. It's funny because I played seven games in Springfield that spring. So we got eliminated from the playoffs. We lost to Clarkson. Dave Taylor was the big star. And um, I came back and played seven games for the Springfield Indians in the American League. And then spring break came and we were in Arizona and we went and watched the movie. Slapshot had just come out. And I said to my roommate, who was a goaltender, Ricky Moffat, I said, uh, I just lived this life for two and a half weeks. So it was it was obviously exaggerated, obviously grossly exaggerated, but not that far from real life. You know, it was based on the recollections of a minor league player. Nancy Dowd was the, the woman who wrote the movie, but her brother played in the minors, and it was his recollections and memoirs and his diary that led to this whole thing. I Was Greg Jolly with you? Didn't he end up with Springfield at one point? He was like the first round, number one pick of the draft. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I played with Greg Jolly. I did play with Mike Marston, who was uh, after Mr. O'Ree, was the second African-Canadian to play in the National Hockey League. Awesome stuff. Brian, uh, one of these days we're going to do a whole revisit on your minor league career. Thank you so much for your time, okay? Thanks. So, yeah, for Canadian Power Pack, that's Brian Burke. We'll step out and uh, we'll give you the injury report coming up in about two minutes' time here in Oilers Now for friends at James H. Brown and Associates. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Slot Connor, 127 in Edmonton. Want to mention the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village. Steak and seafood cooked right at your table. Visit their Edmonton South, downtown, north side, and Sherwood Park locations. To the orders, uh, injury report for James H. Brown, injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. The orders are getting healthier. Uh... Obviously, to be activated tomorrow will be Josh Archibald off of IR. Riley Sheehan's missed the last three games of the concussion. Based on today's practice, he's going to be in with Jujar Kara and Archibald. Uh, Oilers uh, today assigned Colby Cave to the minors and placed Tomas Yurcho on waivers as well. Elsewhere. News just dropping on St. Louis Blues forward Alex Steen uh, got hurt last night. High ankle sprain out uh, four weeks will be reevaluated at that time. Winnipeg places Brian Little on IR. He was hit in the head with a slap shot Tuesday against the Devils. Received 25 to 30 stitches. Had ear issues as a result. Stars uh, brilliant uh, puck movie defenseman John Klingberg out until early December with an LBI. Uh, Alexander Tessier off of IR uh, with a potential return uh, for the lineup for the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets. So those, those are some of the bigger names out there. 128 in Edmonton. Still to come, Edmonton Oil Kings Director of Business Operations, Daniel Troiani. An opportunity for you listeners, especially uh, those of you the kids that love Star Wars. Oil Kings got quite a night for you coming up on Saturday night here at Rogers Place. Um, and then we'll get to some of your texts for Ashley Fine Floors. Uh, again, special thanks to Brian Burke joining us every Thursday for Canadian Power Pack. Off to a global news weather traffic update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.